Parents strongly caution, the following programs are intended for mature audiences over the age of 18. These programs may contain some material that many parents would not find suitable for children and may include intense violence, sexual situations, coarse language, and suggestive dialogue. All kids out of the pool for adult swim. All kids out! Anyone born between, I would say, 1989 and 1998 remembers staying up too late and seeing Cartoon Network transition into Adult Swim. You know, that um, viewer discretion banner would come up and suddenly you would go into the intro, which uh, it would just be archive footage of elderly people in, in a community center pool while uh, this lifeguard would yell out announcements over a megaphone. No eating in the pool. Tell that guy there's no eating in the pool. What is that? Pimento? What is that? Pimento cheese? What are you eating? No diving in an empty pool. No diving. No diving. Sea Lab 2021 next. Next. Sometimes there were funny little jokes that relating to the footage. Um, or sometimes it would be, you know, introducing the next program. You know, coming up next, it's uh, Harvey Birdman. Something about those really just stuck with the younger generation of people who watch them. You know, there was something just so bizarre and wonderfully uh, perplexing about them. Adults and premiered in September of 2001, and those promos were the staple of the network until about 2003 when they introduced a new series of promotions that were designed they were designed to look kind of like an airplane safety guide uh and it would have this really weird like synth music playing over it it was really kind of eerie and weird Um, that wasn't quite as successful, but it was still really cool. I think people still remember those. But Cartoon Network also had their own bumpers and their own set of interesting uh, promotional campaigns, um, particularly in the uh, late 90s and early 2000s, going into the mid-2000s. I'm sure a lot of people remember the Cartoon Network CGI City uh, promotional campaign that aired in the mid-2000s. You know, there was something so... They really helped settle this tone and this feel for what you were watching, you really got an idea that, that this was a unique network, that what you were going to see on Cartoon Network was not the same as what you were going to see on Disney Channel or Nickelodeon or whatnot. Back in March or April, I wrote an article about that. And, uh, you know, I, the article turned out really well, but the one thing I, I couldn't do uh, due to time constraints was get a proper interview with someone who had actually been at Turner Broadcasting or Nickelodeon or something uh, back when they were doing these really cool promos. You know, I, I wanted to interview someone, maybe Jason DeMarco, uh, you know, or someone like that who had been there 
back when that was in progress. Luckily, a few months later, I was able to get a hold of Casper Kelly, who had been a writer and producer at Turner Broadcasting at the time, and who now works at Adult Swim. He's most known as the creator of Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, as well as the writer and director of Too Many Cooks. He's written for Aqua Teen, he's written for Squidbillies. Uh, the dude, the guy's done it all. So, uh, let's just jump right into this. Uh, this is a conversation with Casper Kelly. And how did you get into TV and film production? So I'm originally from North Carolina, and uh, I studied film and moved to L.A. and did a bunch of uh, odd jobs in the entertainment industry. But my first real TV job was Cartoon Network, and my friend was doing advertising for him, and he said um, <clears throat> I should apply at the uh, on-air department, and they had a test where they, I think they still have a test where, you know, <clears throat> for Cartoon Network, it would be like, write a promo for the Powerpuff Girls or whatever. <clears throat> so it was awesome way to try to get a job because you could actually write things to try to make them laugh. So that was my uh, first job in TV then, for real at Cartoon Network. What year did you start at Cartoon Network? Um, I can't remember exactly. I want to say like 98, 1998, maybe 97. Um, was advertising something you had always been interested in going into? And for that matter, was animation something you had even always been interested in? Uh, I definitely liked animation and I did a cartoon strip, a weekly cartoon strip for weekly newspapers when I was in LA. Um, and I don't think I was really determined to do advertising or promotion, but my friend showed me a lot of the work that was coming out of Cartoon Network, um, and it was just great. It was like little skits, a lot of it, and it was just yeah. very inventive and so forth. So, Because at that time, they had a bunch of those old Hanna-Barbera shows, but they did not have a ton of original content, and they had extra airtime to fill, um, <clears throat> so they were making short little commercials to kind of create a, a brand for a feeling for the, the network of Cartoon Network. Um, so I jumped into it from there. What was the process of making one of these skits or promos? Um, was there a writer's room or was it more individualized? Like, how did it all go down? It was really wonderful. Um, it was... Uh, the head at that time was Michael O'Lean, who hired me, who um, does Harvey Bird does Harvey Birdman, and I think he right now is the interim or uh, president of Cartoon Network. So we did have a writers' room. We would have assignments, and then you would read your um, scripts in the writers' room and try to make people laugh. And uh, they might might offer ideas or suggestions, but mainly just being able to read it in a room 
you got a sense if it worked and what parts were funny and what part needed a little work. Uh, and then Michael would write his own notes on the script. Uh, but it was a very supportive environment. It was great. You would get an assignment like, um, I don't know, we're gonna, they're gonna air, uh, a Snorks marathon and Snorks is like a ripoff of the Smurfs. So, and they would say, it would say like, we need one 60 second commercial, two 30 second commercials, and some bumps, which are those little ten, five or 10 second bits or longer, uh, you know, when you go from a commercial break back to the, uh, the thing like, hey, now back to the Snorks Marathon on Cartoon yeah. Network. You're watching the Snorks Marathon on Cartoon Network. Stay tuned after these messages or whatever. But something yeah. funnier, hopefully. You're watching Scooby-Doo on Cartoon Network. You're watching The Flintstones on Cartoon Network. Patience, my pet. Patience. The show will be right back. Now back to the show. Do you see how your patience paid off? Now, were these like final draft format, standard screenplay formatted scripts, or were they... We used the advertising format, which was not like a final draft script. It was... Commercials will do like... It's basically a two columns the left column is the visuals and the right column is the dialogue and they're side by side it's actually not a bad format i i wonder if scripts would be easier to read if they had that format but anyway so yeah it was more like that format how long were you at cartoon network for and what made you want to leave eventually um i think i was there i was there until stroker and hoop um the pilot uh, which was, I think, what was that 2005, 2004. So I guess I was there until about 2003, and then I went over to uh, Adult Swim. I basically wanted to do shows, and even when I was at Cartoon Network, I did a pilot called Major Flake, mm. which was about a serial mascot with my friend Adam Cohen. Breakfast is so boring. And a cereal is a major disappointment. Then perhaps you need a major change. Huh? Bonjour, my friends. I am here to replace your bad poo-poo cereal with me. Major Flake. <laughs> the only cereal with sparkles. <laughs> I wrote Harvey episodes of Harvey Birdman. And uh, then I even did... Uh, certain promos that were able to be edited together into a show like uh, this Blair Witch parody sort of called the Scooby-Doo Project, which was Scooby-Doo characters in the shot in the Blair Witch style. Zoinks! We're never going to get out of here! Zoinks? That's all you have to say, Zoinks? What the heck does that mean, anyway? Oh, I'm sorry. What do you want me to say? Shankies? <laughs> Fred? Daphne? What are you laughing at? He's got a point, Velma. This was supposed to be just another mystery in the woods. Have you heard these woods are haunted? You kids stay away! Those woods are cursed! 
I never go near them. No, like I bet she never goes near a dentist either. <laughs> we were cocky. Why shouldn't we be? Don't forget, it's my turn to pull off the mask. But then we got lost. Yeah, see, something like that seems so wonderfully bizarre to me. How did you come up with the idea for those? Like, Night of the Living Do or the Scooby-Doo Project? Where does something like that come from? Um, well, I just did a kind of a long interview about the Scooby-Doo Project. I think there's an anniversary of it, so it's kind of in the air. Um, okay. I did that with Larry Morris and Steve Patrick, who were the two of the other writers. And I think it was Larry who had... we. Had, we started it before um, Blair Witch Project was released. Um, wow. So we saw the trailer and we wanted to we wanted to just test that look and to see if we could track in animation in that very jerky camera style. And it wasn't easy. <laughs> it cost some money. And uh, uh, this gentleman, Bruce Siebert, did it on the computer. I'm sure it's much easier now because it, it can analyze tracking points and everything but at the time it there was tracking points but it sort of had to be done by hand uh and then uh night of the living do i think was two other people were assigned on it and one had to leave so i just asked to be on it as well and i did that with jeff olson that's so awesome you have a talking dog hey scooby say david cross Come on, boy. David Cross. Go ahead, Scoob. David Ross. David Ross. He said David Ross. That's hilarious. <laughs> okay. David Rossy-roo. Night of the Living Do, an Adult Swim special. Next Sunday at 11 on Adult Swim. And that idea was, um, it was a Scooby-Doo marathon and to do bumps that were evoking a... You know, there's all those incarnations of the Scooby-Doo show, and there was one that had Hanna-Barbera's version of celebrity guests. So it, this was in the 70s or maybe the early 80s, so it'd have like Laurel and Hardy as guests or Don Knotts um, and so on. I'm tr uh, or like Sandy Duncan, which uh, which was kind of, you know, people that I guess people they could get. But um, uh, let me see what that was called. So we kind of made fun of that, and we had Gary Coleman as our special guest. It's called the new Scooby-Doo movies. So um, we had uh, Gary Coleman and then Mark Hamill. Spoiler. How long would things like that take to make, roughly? And did you ever think that these would have a cult following, or did you just imagine they would end up in a vault somewhere beneath the bowels of Turner or something? Um, that's a great question. I don't think we were thinking about it lasting, but we were definitely working our asses off on it. We wanted to be as good as we could make it. And it was super fun, and we worked long hours on it. Uh, and I guess it makes sense. I mean, you know, those things you watch when you're a child, if, they, if they're weird or below your mind, they stick with you, you know. So uh, it's kind of thrilling that the stuff we did then – the generation of kids who watch that are now, you know, adults, and they remember it, and it's super flattering. It's an honor. Was this kind of stuff the only real advertising work you did, or did you do more after all of this kind of fiddled out? 
basically that I've done a couple of ads, um, like I shot an ad for Tetley T uh, for the UK television, but I don't do a lot of advertising. I primarily do uh, shows and working on movies, hopefully. You transitioned uh, to making narrative TV with Stroker and Hope, and now you're doing things like Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, you've written for Aqua Teen and Harvey Birdman, and you did Too Many Cooks. Uh, was that a hard transition to make, uh, having come from advertising and promotion making? Um, that's a great question. It was hard, but it was smooth in the sense that uh, we knew... Once we were working for Cartoon Network, we knew that department. We they were that department was next to our department. Uh, TV development was next to uh, on-air promotion, and I knew who were. I mean, I knew who worked there: Mike Lazo, Linda Siminski, Kaki Jones, um, and they were great people. So we knew that I knew them in a, on a friendly basis. So that made it smoother to finally pitch to them. Um, but we did pitch Stroker and Hoop. They passed. Mike oh. Lazo passed. And then, like, two days later, he called back and said, actually, I do want to make this. Because he, he said that, um, I thought it was just a parody, but it's actually not a parody. It's actually real mysteries, sort of, which was true to us. We weren't trying to do just a parody. So... <clears throat> Watching the original Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell short with Fred Armisen and Dana Snyder when it came out in 2011, and it felt like a live-action cartoon. Would you say, what would you say the difference between doing live-action and animation is in your experience? What made you want to try live-action? I think I always did want to do live-action, and Dave Willis wanted to do it, I think. Uh, I think Dave wanted to change it up. Um but we love both, and it was a challenge. And the, as far as the differences, 
they're both hard. Um, live action is hard because once you shoot it, unless you have money for reshoots, that's it. Well, with animation, if you do a scene and it doesn't quite work, you still have an opportunity to to change it or change the dialogue or, you know, when it's just in the animatic phase, you still have opportunities to improve it, uh, which you have a little bit of less of in live action. But on the other hand, with live action, you have actors perform. Well, and it, <coughs> you have actors' performances, their faces and surprises they can do, which are wonderful. Now you can also have that animation in terms of a voice performance, um, like you know, uh, Bob. Uh, 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 Dr. Katz is great for that, or Aqua Teen is great for that, or Space Ghost, where they, you could tell they were using improv um, that the actors were bringing. I mean, Dana Snyder is an amazing improviser. I know there was one Space Ghost that um, they recorded, George Lowe, who played Space Ghost. Um, he had sent uh, gift baskets to... Uh, Everyone at the, who worked at the network, or his bosses at the network, just as a thank you, and he was upset he had not gotten a thank you note yet. And that was real. That was the actor talking about it. <laughs> but they used it in the show as Space Ghost himself. I sent everyone gift baskets, and did did I get one thank you? Not one. <laughs> Were you on Space Ghost at all? Did you do any work on that? No, no. I wish I was. I. I no, I did a promo with Space Ghost in it, or a few. Um, I did the promo where uh, Fred Flintstone and Thunder are trying to find a parking space. Dang, nabbit, I can never find a parking space after lunch. Cartoon Network keeps adding stars without adding parking space. Oh, all right. Hey, fellas, looking for a parking space? You can take mine. Now, this guy's a true hero. Could have sworn parked in the Wally Gator F-Lot. Or was it in... Oh boy. Now I remember. I flew into work today. Silly me. Oh, brother. Um, but no, I didn't get to work on that show. But the person I do your pretty face with, um, Dave Willis did. Were you at Adult Swim back when they were doing the all kids out of the pool promotions? Where you know, it was the, um, the archive footage of the old people in the swimming pools? Yes. I didn't work on them. Uh, I worked on the ones after that, which I know weren't quite as successful. That were trying to do the uh, the airplane safety manual motif. Uh, oh, but the yeah, person who did, but the first person who did the pool ones is a person named Matt Mac Matt Pacini, who's up in New York, hmm. and I think he is. He's in advertising now. More, he's a super talented guy. Those were amazing. Where did the idea for that airplane safety book style promotional campaign come from? Well, that was an unusual one. Like I had a lot of promos that were that just came with an idea from me or I had something very broad like you have to do a Scooby-Doo marathon and I would come up with an idea for it. But uh with that one actually the idea was given to me by Michael Oleen. He already had that idea. Uh so I just executed it as well as I could. And when you were doing those, would you write a script for those, or were you pitching like an idea to an animator or a designer and just letting them run with it? Because those were much more visual, I feel like. I would do scripts, and then uh, we would do rough... Uh, Clay Croker actually did a lot of animation on that, who was the voice 
of uh, Zorak. Mm. Also a great animator. How long were you in advertising before creating your own show? I guess um, five years. Right. I was and a Cartoon what? Network, and then I and then and then we got the Stroker and Who pilot, and then that went to series. And then I stayed over there doing other things, like a major laser pilot or writing for Aqua Teen and Squidbillies, um, and then doing uh, Your Pretty Face and Too Many Cooks. Was Too Many Cooks inspired by your time in advertising in that, you know, we're seeing a lot of, there's a certain retromania happening now where everyone's kind of looking back on the past and they're kind of clinging to these aesthetics we saw in 80s, 90s, and early 2000s uh, culture and television and such. Was any of that a factor that went into you coming up with uh, that short? Interesting question. Maybe a little, but I think it more came just from myself having watched a lot of these shows uh, and just kind of being obsessed with them uh, than advertising. What do you think of the advertising uh, and promotional material that TV networks put on now? Do you think that that Cartoon Network and Adult Swim style is still present? That's Yeah, I don't see a lot of it anymore because mostly I watch things on streaming channels. Uh, um, so I know Adult Swim still does bumps. And I, I'm sure they're great. Uh, and I don't know a lot about what other uh, channels do um, in terms of promos and the packaging for their... For their uh, channel just because of streaming. How about you? I mean, is there, is there, what do you uh, think? Is there some, some, a channel that does it really well? Well, I think Cartoon Network did really well in the 2000s. Like, they had this one promotional campaign where it was a CGI city and all of the network's characters who were drawn in 2D lived there and, and interacted with each other. Those were great. That was um, from around 2004 to 2007, I think. They also had this cool one in 2009 or 2010 where it was some of the characters from Total Drama Island hosting Spring Break, Carson Daly style. But yeah, over the past decade, it's really dissipated. They still have typical short station IDs, but nothing like they used to. Um, there really isn't a reason to make them anymore because of streaming and the internet. But on the other hand, I was thinking about this recently, it might loop back around, and I think we might start seeing program blocks again in some form. I agree. I agree. Like, it gives you a feeling for the block, and you're more likely to try a new show on that block. I mean, there's a, you know, like AMC makes some great shows, and uh, FX makes great shows. I'm not as positive if you think of them or are uh as like oh that's a uh, uh better call Saul is a great AMC show is that a, that's AMC right yeah. like i don't know if you think of it as an AMC show you just think of it as a good show but adult swim you kind of do think of it all that as adult swim shows i think but i do believe ESPN 
is known for I'm not a huge sports person, but I think they're known for doing uh good stuff. Um uh, but I agree with you. Like HBO, when you see the static mm-hmm. and it goes to HBO, it just gives you a feeling Oh, and one other thing I want to say is with so much stuff out now, I think curating might become more important where there's a brand where you feel like it's curated and they're not just shoveling everything in your face, but they're actually being choosy about what they're going to show you. I think that might become more important. I could be wrong. Yeah, and like you see little remnants of that with YouTube channels and digital networks for younger kids. They'll do these little bumps and station IDs. I know Butch Hartman, the creator of The Fairly Odd Parents, has a thing called the Noog Network. I know I've seen these little wraparound bumps on there. So, yeah, I think it's still lingering around in some form or another. Plus, also, you can find all these old bumps from Adult Swim, Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, and such on YouTube and shit. So, it definitely lives on. And I do think, in light of things like the internet, um... You know, it will allow for more experimental, you know, weird things like that to thrive on. Um, because the point of advertising and digital content is to be alluring and creative. And, and advertising is certainly an art form, I would say. Oh, yeah, I agree. It's interesting that art forms will have their time. Yeah. I mean, not that I think advertising is going away, but like... Um, uh, Going back, you know, I used to do a weekly cartoon strip, and that's kind of how the Matt Groening, who did The Simpsons, he started doing this uh, great weekly comic strip called Life in Hell. And that's not really a form anymore. I mean, you have you definitely have a lot of online cartoons, but they don't have to be weekly. But yeah. the, or even earlier, there there was categories like in the in the early 20th century or the late 19th century, they would have um, newspapers. Photography was not fast enough to photograph sports, so they had sports illustrators. Their specialty was illustrating a good play in sports. And that's that's kind of gone. But it had its time, you know, where, mm-hmm. hey, have you seen this? Have you seen this play? That's some of the best sports illustration I've ever seen, you know. <laughs> What are some of your favorite ad pieces and promotional pieces that you produced, and what are some of your favorite ones that you saw while you were working at Cartoon Network uh, and Adult Swim and Turner? Okay, uh, basically the ones we've talked about, the Scooby-Doo Project, Night Living Do, the parking lot, which is the uh, promo with the characters trying to find a parking space. I did another promo where the Powerpuff Girls saved the Super Friends. My ability to talk with fish is of no help, Wonder Woman. Nothing can save you now, super fools. <laughs> what? The Powder Puff Girls? Ugh, why do people always get that wrong? It's Power Puff! No D! Which I really like. And there, I did a bunch. There's a bunch more I'm forgetting. I did one where... Birdman on his control panel, he has a coffee button right next to a, like a nuclear missile button, and his hawk Avenger is worried about him hitting the wrong button. Is something wrong, Falcon 7? Are you sure you should let him sit on the console like that? Avenger? He is always by my side. His claws are right next to the doomsday button. It's dangerous. Poppycock, he's fully trained on the console. Watch this. 
Avenger, get Birdman coffee. Come on, Birdman, you I, can do it. Uh, Birdman. Get Birdman. Let me think. Those those are some highlights, but yeah, I've done I've done I've done, a, I've done a, I did so many of those. It was it was great. Uh, as far as one of the other people have done, I remember a couple of Legion of Doom ones I really liked uh, that Larry Morris did. So much. It was a really rich time. Um, and I, I, it's cool to see a lot of them are on YouTube now. Um, we made DVDs of them uh, just internally and to show when people were applying for jobs, um, we would send them a DVD of our most recent work. And I kind of have a half idea, I shouldn't even be saying this, of like, it'd be fun to assemble all those like on a big sort of bootleg DVD for conventions and have everybody do commentary on them. That'd be really fun. Um, uh, yeah, because I think people are a little nostalgic for it. Um, oh, and uh, like Stuart Hill, he did these series of shorts called... Uh, oh. Let me back up. I also did a couple of, I did like a music video with Jabberjaw on a lunchbox with a ska band pain. Me and my friends get no respect. What does Scooby do that we neglect? We be putting all our foes in check. But me and my friends get no respect. So what? Who cares? We're doing it how we like. I'm singing it through my mic. Which, uh, that band is now called Salvo, but yeah, that really liked that. Um, but uh, my friend Stuart Hill did this series called Captain Linger about a superhero that after he saves the day, like he stops a train from derailing, he just hangs around an uncomfortably long period of time after everyone's thanked him. <laughs> like they want to go home and he's just still, you know, it was really great. Captain Linger, Captain Linger, the day you say it's maybe his own. Um, yeah. Was there a lot of research that went into producing these promos, or was it more so, hey, here's something weird, let's run with it? Because it's all related to marketing, I'd imagine, too. I think there was a ton of research. Well, I, I'm kind of what I'm talking about is really the promos that have original animation, but we also did a ton of clip spots, which were just edited, you know, commercials of great moments of of a cartoon, or if if there was something that would have, like a motif, like if um, of Scooby-Doo and Sh Shaggy trying, or sorry, uh, uh, Daphne trying to bribe them with Scooby snacks, you could edit all those instances together. So we would be able to check out from the library any episode and just watch hours of cartoons to kind of think about what clips would be good. So that was that was research and that was fun. It's getting paid to watch cartoons. It was fun. Aside from writing, were you also producing? Uh, were you seeing these promotions all the way to the end? Yes. Uh, producing is a weird word because it can mean so many things. We would be paired with a producer who was the person in charge of the budgets and in charge of 
if you need to hire an animation company, if you needed to get the actor that played um, Ed Ed, the actors that played Ed Ed and Eddie, for example, uh, they would be in charge of that and scheduling an edit session. Um, and there were some very many wonderful people. Ashley Kohler uh, was one. And um, and then we would produce on the creative end, meaning we would be in charge of all the elements creatively until it was finished, which was super satisfying. I know a lot of um, TV directing these days, you just are flown in to direct the episode and then you leave and then somebody else edits it and finishes it, and which is cool. But it's very fun and satisfying to be able to involve for every aspect of it. The music, um, figuring out the music and the directing the voice actors and so forth. Being at hell isn't the easiest existence. Are the days long? Yeah. Oh, good. Shane's here. Is the work hard? You better believe it. And at least we're not in the stalls. That's when things get ugly. Would I trade the experience of being a tortured soul in the depths of hell for anything in the world? Christy Cooks! I would love to trade it. Is that trade available? I'll find you, you little... <laughs> what fun! Nacho? Yeah. Who wants to be young again? I'm a bile, I want blood on the walls. I need a ghost in this cabin. have to do is burn in hell for an eternity where do i sign try to have a conversation when you are producing your own shows are you a part of the advertising team were you ever writing your own promos or was someone else doing that no <laughs> Um, I was happy to not have to do that. <laughs> Although the person who did our advertising was a person named Pete, Pete Smith, who yeah. did the Brack Show. Really talented guy. Uh, so I was happy to just let him do his thing. Sometimes he would want our ideas, and we would give it to him, or we would steer him a little. Um, but uh, no, we usually didn't make promos for it. Uh, cause usually we're too busy. <laughs> making a show and with air, usually they'd have an air date that we're rushing against. What are some of your favorite projects that you've worked on uh, in general, not just advertising, but in general, and what's up next for you creatively? Well, I, I mean, I guess probably the Adult Swim stuff, your pretty face, uh, too many cooks, of course, and then we did a, another 4 a.m. special called uh, Final Deployment 4. Queen, Queen Boss Battle Walkthrough, which is sort of like a game walkthrough, um, which I really love. Uh, and then writing for, you know, Squidbillies and Aqua Teen and Birdman. Uh, but right now, I'm working on a Marvel show, which I'm not sure if I'm supposed to talk about. But I'm working on a Marvel show, animated, and um, I'm writing a movie, and then I'm gearing up to pitch uh, some more TV shows as well. The, Mar uh, the Marvel show will be on Hulu. The movie, who knows where it'll end up. And uh, the TV shows, I, yeah, I do want to pitch to Adult Swim, but I'll pitch to other people as well. Okay. But I do love working for Adult Swim. <laughs>
It's the heart of Kedah.